I like history. I like Jewish history. I like timelines very much. I think that a lot of times people have like no idea I see when I give class and when I, when I reflect on certain things myself. We have like no idea often on important facts when they happen. And it gives a lot of perspective. Like when was Sefer Dvarim as opposed to Shmos? That's not like fine-tuning. That's something you have to know. Right? You know, when, oh, Corbin Bias, that was... Corbin Bias was during this time or that time, so it's very important, and not enough study topic in general Jewish history, and certainly everybody has to have a basic picture of things, even like I was talking about on, the, on, on Shabbos. You need, for so many parts of the Torah, you need a basic picture of the, of the Mishkan and the, and, the, and the base of Mikdash. It's just like, you have to have some type of virtual, visual picture in your head, or at least somewhere you can refer to it, some type of thing, Okay. And specifically, um, I find a lot of confusion in things like, how long was between Asar Batavis and Tishabov? When was Somgedalia? Was some, I mean, Somgedalia is on the third of Tishabov, but when did it historically happen? Was it the first base of Mikdash? Second base of Mikdash? How long after, how long after Corbin Bias? What was the whole story? So that's where we're going to uh, elucidate all these things with the help of this chart, which I made a while ago. Um, who were the characters of the first base of the first Corbin, the second one, etc.? Um, and along the way, we're going to some, share some insights which specifically come out from, specifically by knowing the dates and how long things happen, we'll have some insights into that. Um, you'll see what I mean. Okay, and we have actually not one, just one uh, timeline here. We have three. Okay, so let's look at timeline, which is a simple, probably the most well-known, timeline number one, which is called Biblical Antecedents. That means that we're today in, in the, really the 18th of of uh, Thomas, but yes, it was Shavasar Thomas. Shavasar Thomas, of course, was the day of Shvirus Aluchas when the Luchas were, were broken, which Rabbi Kwas was talking about so beautifully and meaningfully, getting, coloring it and giving a sense about what was going on. But, right, what was that? Moshe Rabbeinu, like we mentioned Friday night, one the highest, greatest hour, Kleistro's greatest hour, Salvation calls it, um, greatest uh, our greatest time, six of Sivan received the Torah. Right? What's the month after Sivan? Thomas, us, right? And forty days, basically after the Kabbalah Torah, after Klal said Nasa Nishma, after we received the Torah, after we're in that intense relationship with Hashem, that beautiful relationship, Shvir Saluchas Moshe comes down a little bit late. The sun mixes them up. Suddenly, doing idol worship. Okay, we're looking at the story in a very simple way. But that was 40 days afterwards. That was the antecedent, right? That's what put the spiritual stuff, gook, in the world, which eventually could lead to whatever happened on the 17th of Thomas, right? That means that our belief is that if that wouldn't have happened, the, it could be the Chorban Bias would have happened, would have unfolded in a different way, okay? The way it did unfold, again, we can, we're not saying because of that. That had to have, had to be caused that. There could have been a tshuva, and things could have came out in another way, but the way that our Shavasar is today, right, is because of that. And that's why, that's a good thing like Rabbi Kwas did, to study that portion of the Torah, many, many of those that speak, when they speak about Shavasar was refer to that and try to connect to that, because that's the, like any person, right, person, a person, God forbid, is an alcoholic. When did it start in me? When, when did some healthy relationship to liquor start? You know, when was it? I was eight. No, when was that birthday party? Yeah, I drank normally then. It was, I was okay. Oh, but I remember that party. Like that was unusual. Something was wrong with me. You know, what I'm saying that. That's that's when I started using liquor to to cover my sin. Now, now you weren't you weren't a full blown alcoholic yet, but that's that was what set into motion 
That w- that was the underpinnings for for that would be okay. So Shavasar Batam was that day was that. Now when was that? That was after the first year of leaving Mitzrayim, right? When did we leave Mitzrayim? Left Egypt on the fifteenth of Nisan, right? So what's the month after Nisan? Er, the month after Er is Sivan, right? Well, that, that is Thomas. So it wasn't that it wasn't that long into the whole story, right? You're only talking about the fourth month, the Chalal, that the Shvir Salukas happened and the, we had this this downward uh, spiraling event. Okay, now guys, the, um, I, I know you've heard this a thousand times, so why am I even going to say it? Because I'm saying because it's worth worth reflecting on a little bit. Understand that's a lot of the depth of Judaism is this point that we that we keep rooting ourselves back in earlier stages and that we're going through a spiral, right? I hope you've heard that that before. It's a upward spiral, right? We keep going through, but we're 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 living differently, but we're really living the same. Right? I'm not talking about a psychological reality, I'm talking about a time reality, that our time is we're going through the same types of things. On the fifteenth of Nisan we are leaving Egypt on some level, and on the sixth of Sivan, we are receiving and getting the Torah again. It says you don't bloodlet on the fifth. We don't bloodlet. We're not so into bloodletting. In, in the Talmudic times, they were very into bloodletting. It was like a major thing, okay? Major health thing. Very, very major thing. Oh, Dop and Shots talked about bloodletting. And it says that we don't bloodlet on Arab Yomtev, okay? Now, why don't you bloodlet on Arab Yomtev? So it says the reason you don't bloodlet on Arab Yomtev is because you don't bloodlet on Arab Shuas. And why don't you bloodlet on Arab Shuas? So you don't bloodlet on Arab Shuas because there's a a certain Malach came out to destroy the Jewish people, right? The, the, the negative forces, negative spiritual forces in the world knew the Jewish people was on a rise, and right then they wanted to stop it right then. So there's this, I forgot the name of it, but there's some Malach or Shade or whatever that's in the world right then, and therefore bloodletting, which has a certain danger, is not the time to do it right then because that negative force is in the world. But I heard a great Robert Nissen Kaplan point out one time, well, that was then, what's that to do with us? It's repeating again. Just like then, 3,300 years ago, that Malach came out, so that Malach comes out again every year. And that's why we don't bloodlet today. It's not, it's not talking about Xerah then, it's talking about Xerah that was created 2,000 years ago, not 3,300 years ago. Fascinating. That was just a, a, a wonderful proof to that idea. And that's, that's a lot of the depth. Myself, a similar abundant. What the Elvis went through is what we go through, right? Lovin, Yaakov and Lovin was very similar to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, uh, Avram. Went down to Egypt, came out of Egypt. So we're, we're, oh, we're always we're always redoing things in Judaism. Hopefully, getting better at them a little bit. Okay, that's the first year. Good. Now, te, of course, Tishabov is the other great antecedent, right? Great, not in a good sense. Great in a in a in a in a meaningful sense, in a common thing, right? That was the one. That was on the second year. Okay. So when is when is Tishabov happening? Jewish people gets through a whole year, right? The most major event of that full year was, of course, Kabbalah Satorah, Shvir Saluchas. We get to Luchas Shniyas. We're still at Har Sinai. Eventually, about close to 12 months in, we start moving, right? Then we're on our way to Eretz Yisrael. We passed, we passed a, whole, a full year. Everybody got, right? We passed the full year. And then, then we send this spies. Spies come back and they cause a Bechia Bechinam, a, a cry for nothing, right? Which caused a Bechia Dorot for every day that they, uh, trespassed in Eretz Yisrael, the 40 days, we had to live a year in the Midbar. Uh, that's the 40 years of the Midbar. That was called the Bechila Dorot, which in that Bechila Dorot, of course, was the, was, was what put the, uh, antecedent, the power, all that we spoke about, 
for the Chorban Bais. Okay, and of course the first and second base of Mikdash was destroyed on the ninth of Av. Okay? So that's it. So these are, these are, that, that was going on in the first one. Okay, now, that was, uh, that was timeline number one, the one you're probably most familiar with. Okay? Timeline number two. Let's go to B. We arrive in Eretz Yisrael in about 2488. I tell you honestly, I don't remember exactly where I got these dates from. It's definitely some good source. Sometimes a little bit, you know, you have a year or two off, and I'm not saying I wasn't, I didn't do a, I didn't write a PhD on it to figure out is it two four two. 2488 or is it 2492? I, I went with some reliable source. That's what I probably, probably should have made a note which one it was from. So, but if you say, like, well, Rabbi, I should answer, sorry, you know, listen, Tuss doesn't make a difference that much. It was 2488 or 2492, right? But, uh, or Tuss, we don't, we don't know the difference between 2488 and 2492. But it's around there. It's just being accurate, okay? We build the base of Mikdash, notably, in 2938, right? We're, we're going up in time, right? We start with zero. Uh, voracious, etc. So the 2938th year, we build a base Mikdash, and now let's use the dates we're more familiar with also, which is 827 BCE, right? We don't say before, uh, see, we say before the common era, we call that the common era, okay? Now guys, what's notable about that day when the base Mikdash was, was built? What's notable about that? We came to Israel 2488, we built the base Mikdash 2938. What's notable about that? It took quite a long time. I actually did so with my calculator to do all the numbers. That was 450 years later after getting into Israel. It took 450 years to get things right to build the base of Mikdash. It's incredible. Right? From the time we got into Israel, we didn't build the base of Mikdash for, for 450 years. Okay, now. Okay, guys. Now, the base of Mikdash is around for about 404 years again. Some say there are different cheshbonot. We're just going with the cheshbonot we have here. So in 423... BCE, right? Because we're going, those numbers are going down, right? Because the common error is zero. The base of Mikdash is destroyed. So the base of Mikdash is around for 404 years. Now, let's take a step before that. If you see that arrow coming in from the side, Golos Asar Sashvatan. A lot of times we don't think about that, especially during this period, right? It was about, I don't remember the exact question, but I think it was around 50 years before, if I remember correctly. We had the Golos of 10 Shvatan. Now, do you understand what 10 Shvatim was? You say, oh, oh, it means like, you know, imagine, you know, Baruch Hashem, Jewish sensitivity is a study. You hear that five kids, there, five, there's a car accident with five kids. Which Jewish heart isn't touched by that, right? Koshki in a town, you know, God forbid, I don't want to say, if you heard that, I don't want to mention the name, you heard like this town was just, was out, you know? And how many Shvatim were there? Twelve. Twelve. Let's do some simple mathematics. Ten twelves is five sixths, Right? Six is sixty point six percent. That was eighty three percent of the Jewish people were lost, right? And we know now it was a big. It's been a big discussion down the Doris, but as far as we can tell right now, they ain't coming back, right? <laughs> now, why do I say that with confidence? You'll tell me it's a machlokas because we don't we don't know where they are. I mean, maybe they'll pull out someone from some you know African town or something, right? But it's, it's, you know, it's going to be really a, a real extraction process. I'm not saying I won't be surprised when Mashiach comes if you have. Suddenly, you know, you realize that Saddam Hussein was really Jewish, or this one was Jewish, you know. <laughs> that could be, you know, a little bit. But definitely on Moss, like every Carlos and I say, we're not seeing him coming back. I mean, because, you know, all these discussions about all these groups. Again, I'm not, you know, I know there's a lot of interesting uh, work on these groups. But so you have to realize that basically they were lost. Again, 200 years ago, we didn't necessarily think that way. The Tommy that Gra actually sent Benjamin Pinsker to find the Sarasashvatim, and they wanted to, according to certain accounts, they wanted to redo Smicha. And he died on the he died on the way, 
and they thought, the Talmud Agra thought that the Asaras Shvatim were in a better state than we are. And they have smicha, and they wanted to redo the real smicha, not the one you get when you get married, or engaged, right? Or become a Balkari, right? The real smicha, the real McCoy, they thought they had it. That's according to the letters I've read on the topic. Well, so is, but today, it certainly doesn't look like the Asaras Shvatim are coming back. We know the world have computer scans just about everywhere. Again, I'm not saying there may be some valley somewhere. So, yeah, well, I think I think a reasonable, logical person sees things that way. Okay, so, so 83% or was it 80% of the Jewish people was lost, sent away. Incredible. The Holocaust was a third. You understand? This was numerically. And these were shvatim. You know, that all the talk we talk about, all that we talk about, you know, about Klai Yisrael, Yisachar, Zvulin, and having different natures and the beauty of the harmony. This is where, guys, you know where the harmony was? It was in them. Every shade that stood, now you say, like, you know, you're more into Hasidus. We're all kind of part of today. Hasidim were more litvish, litvish were more part of uh, so All the Svartim come live here. You know, we know that Great Neck is just a branch of Chappelle's, right? We, we, we know this today. You understand? Back then, the Shvatim were totally different. The Shimon people looked very different than the Levi people. This was Kali Israel at its greatest. Yisachar was a whole different. You get what I'm saying, guys? When you think about, like, think about, think about the Jewish group which you're you're comfortable with, right? It means that you you feel a part of the picture. I don't mean you know, so very very secular Jews are basically acting like non-Jews. Although they did not their fault, I'm not saying, right? But think about like a the very distinct, you know, some very like Ger Hasidim are very distinct. I mean, if, you, if you know about Ger, Ger is a very distinct Hasidim. They're like really Gerers, you know. what I mean, they don't care about Ben Abrak, they don't care about Litvaks, they don't care about other Hasidim. They they're solid strong guys, you know. They're really it's like that. It was like they're twelve twelve like that, you know. Very, you know, some were probably more into music, some were more into learning, some were more into working, some lived here, some lived there, some, you know, some were more strict, some were more strong, some were more warlike, and they were all part of Kleister. All that talk we talk about, that was it. Five, six of that is gone. You know, incredible tragedy. So all then you have to get your headspace around that means. So we have this beautiful base of Mikdash for four hundred and four hundred and and four years, and then things are starting to go down, and around. 350 years already, already most of... And it wasn't like they weren't far away. It wasn't some faraway community you don't even know about. It was all in Eretz Yisrael. Look at the maps. Terrible. Get a picture. Okay, so now the other comment I want to say, which comes out, was that you have to think about it. You know, we've had our state for 72 years, right? Can't imagine a different, you know... You can't imagine a different Judaism today than with the state of Israel being part of the picture, right? I don't say this is the biggest Zionist, but come on, right? We all, what a tragedy it would be, God forbid, if let's say Jews, you know, let's just there's just no Jewish state anymore. You know, some of us will make it to America, some here. Incredible. That's because we're used to that seventy-two year reality. So you have to think the base of Mikdash was there for four hundred years. They didn't know anything else, you know, and that they didn't know another life. Then Basin make this focused life. Well, think about it, it was a four hundred year deal, right? This was their Judaism. This was their they, they lost everything. It was like they were they were lost, you know. I mean, you know we heard about the Klosenberger last week, the loss, you know, so he was a man of enormous strength and fortitude and and kedusha and piety and and Hashem. The average person was totally lost after the Holocaust. I mean, you, you know that. No family, no nothing. That's what it was like. It was like no, you know, we turn. Where's the building? Not there. Like everything, everything you talk. Salvatic talks about when he lost his wife that he would, he would sometimes find, wake up and look for her. You know, well, where's Tanya? And, oh, she's not getting. She's not, she's not here anymore. 
You don't have to realize that they have 404 years and this is, what the, this is the life they had and now it's not anymore. I'm talking besides the fact that this was what the base of Mikdash was. I'm saying, you understand? Lomi boy, everything we have to learn about the base of Mikdash, the grandeur of the house and the nisim and the ruchnias and the closest to God. I'm just talking about something that you, something that you equate as your center, right? That is an unbelievable loss. Okay, so that's the first base of Mikdash. Now let's just, there's an arrow going down where, from where it says 423 to the side, just some of the, some of the personalities who are the personalities of Chorban Bayis Rishon? People like Nebuchadnezzar, right, the Babylonian king, um, Nebuz Radon, who was one of the main uh, one of the main generals. Okay, but Nebuchadnezzar was like the head honcho. Nebuz Radon was was uh, Nebuz Radon was one of the main um, generals, and Yirmiyo, of course, was one of the main Nevi'im during that time. And there were others. That was that. By the way, I just, I'll mention this again on Tisha B'Av. I always mention this point, a very important point. We talk a lot about the fact that Zechariah was killed by the Jewish people. Okay, Zechariah was a Navi, a minor prophet. He was in the trail, sir, we call them minor prophets. And, but we talk a lot about that as being one of the antecedents of what caused the Hormbais. How much before the actual Hormbais was Zechariah, a Navi's death? Well, 350 years. It was a long time before the actual Hormbais. I'm just keep in mind. Corbin Shani? Corbin Rishon. Corbin Rishon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, maybe Corbin No, I'm pretty sure. That I have to check. You see, you can confuse me. Not sure. Yeah. Rishon Shani? No, probably Shani. Right, 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 right. Corbin Shani. Correct. Okay. Thank you. So, guys, so let's keep going. Okay, so now, so we're in 423. Seventy years later, right? Seventy years later, we have the second temple going up. That's in about three four nine three. Let's call it three fifty BC. That's seventy years later, of course, right? Very sh- very short gap, right? Relatively, on a historical perspective, a very short gap. So there were still people who had seen the Chorban bias, right? If you're a ninety year old, they had seen even you know an eighty five year old was a fifteen year old or let's say ninety year old. Had really seen it, you know. Like, back, as I'll talk about the older people, some of their the younger people were so happy at the Chorban Bayis. Uh, excuse me, the younger people, because I'll say, were so happy at the second base of Mikdash. Some of the old people were like, "You think this is the house?" You know, and they were crying. Like this is our leader. You know, what I mean, this is your leader. You know, I remember, I remember what the clothes burger used to look like. You know, what I mean, this this was this is this is Jewish leadership today, right? So, so that that was uh, that was reality. Chazal pick up on. Because it's not our, it's not for our conversation right now. In certain ways, the second base of temple was greater than the first temple. Maybe we should hold a share about that. In certain very obvious ways, the second temple was much less, as you see in the fact that the older generation was crying about it. But we find, as always in Judaism, we find certain ways which the new situation really brought out better. You know, Tarshav Alpeh really produced during Bayushani. It says, God, oh yeah, it says, oh, it's really the second temple is going to be greater in a certain way than the first temple. So I'm just giving that as a, background and a basis for something you're going to hear. On the one hand, you'll hear, oh, they were crying and how bad the second base of Mikdash was. No Shekhinah, no Oro, no this, no that, no Ruch HaKodesh, all these things I forgot exactly. I think in Yuma uh, list five things that weren't there. But yet we find in a certain way the second temple was greater. Which is cool. Okay. So, now guys, of course, coming down from the something coming down from the arrow pointing back to the left, Purim happens before this at the end of the seven years of Gullah's bubble, right? We went to Bubble, that was Nebuchadnezzar's place, and then we're in Bubble, right? The Malchus switched a little bit from Bubble to 
Paris, Modai, those that Hebra, right? The Babylon themselves went down in the middle. We're still in Babylon, and then we come by Daryavish and all that. They they let us come back, and then uh, and then Purim happens then. Okay, just in terms of the perspective, Purim is happening at the end of the Chorbais Rishon period, and there's a lot. Gemara Megillah talks about there's a lot which a lot which is happening in Purim around like a deeper theme. We just learn Purim. At first, it's just like, oh, that's the day you get drunk, right? That's that's like you know, that's like New Year's. No, it's not like New Year's. No, 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 no. It's not. I'd be getting drunk. We're not getting drunk like they get drunk. That's not what it is. Okay. Now we go deeper into Purim is really like Yom Kippur. Okay, good. Now another another level of Purim is Purim is really on the connected to the whole Beis Hamikdash story. You guys, yeah, that's a whole another level of the story. You can learn the whole story without that, but now you got to go deeper and figure out what's the connection between Purim and the Second Temple, etc. Okay. Not for now. Now, guys, just go... There's a box, just the box between timeline A and timeline B. I want to point this out. All this is covered in Tanakh, right? Obviously, the Jews arriving in Israel and before that. And until the Second Temple period, right, until the creation of the Second Temple, is spoken about in Tanakh itself. I don't mean... I don't mean hinted at, right? Everything's hinted at in everything we do. This our share is hinted at, according to the Grah. Uh, us, we're, we're hinted at in Tanakh, you and me, right? So we're not talking about that. We're talking about the revealed Tanakh, the Tanakh that we read and understand. So that's that covers all this, from arriving in Eretzerol to the second period. What isn't? Hanukkah is not mentioned in Tanakh, okay? There's hints at it, but it's not mentioned. That's not That, that time wasn't, okay? So Hanukkah is happening in the second temple period, and that's already, see the other box uh, to your right between uh, between timeline A and timeline B, that's covered in Torah Shabbat and not Tanakh, okay? So now, let's just see for a second. The second temple is going to be destroyed in 69 C of the Common Era, okay? So that means, let's just do a quick, quick calculation. Second temple is built in 349 BCE, right? So I go to three, and then uh, I go to sixty-nine CE. So it's about four hundred eighteen years. So interestingly, the first temple, the second temple, were around the same amount of time. And according to my calculations, the first temple was there another thirty-two years, which were obviously relevant, right? Especially for those of you less than thirty-two, right? You want to say the thirty-two is right? I think almost everybody, besides maybe three of us. Four of us are less than thirty-two, so I'm not going to say in this, and I'm not going to say amongst this august group that being thirty-two years is nothing, right? And I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be twenty-one again, so right. But historically, it was not that long a time. So the first base I make this is around four hundred, is around uh, uh, four fifty, right? Uh, four hundred four years. I'm sorry, no, no. First base I make this we said was four hundred four years. Second was four hundred eighteen years. So it's only fourteen years difference between them. Like I could be the wrong number. It took 450 years until they built the base of Mikdash. The first base of Mikdash was standing for about 404 years. The second base of Mikdash was standing about 418 years. Right? So it's mamish almost the same amount of time, which is very interesting. Only 14 year difference between the two of them, you know, which is really not a lot of time. Okay? You see? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, why do I feel like it's listed as 410 and 420? Are the, are the same so, same? No, like I said, I, I'm just going my calculations. They're different calculations. Yeah. Okay. So now, in the, now Hanukkah is happening in 167 BC. So let's just get a perspective on Hanukkah is. That's right in the middle of the Second Temple period. Right? People don't get that straight. Oh, it means that was when people think like, oh, Hanukkah is when we rebuild the Second Temple. No. 
Hanukkah when we rededicated the second temple that had been defiled by the by the Greeks, but it was the, the temple had been built many years before that. Yeah, everybody see that? It's 182 years into the period because the second temple was rebuilt in 349 BCE, and Hanukkah happened in 167 BCE. Okay, it's about 180 years or so after. Then basically, you know, more or less in the middle of the 400 period. Are we got any guys? Too many calculations on the on the dinos? No. Okay, just give me the perspective. Okay, so that's and now that's already the period of Tarshavah Peh. Not mentioned in in Chumash. By the way, Hanukkah isn't really mentioned. What other major work is Hanukkah not mentioned in? Basically, Mishnah. The Mishnah basically didn't mention Hanukkah. It's mentioned one time. Agav in Babakama talks about if you, you're uh, some Mishnah about hay or stuff like that and lighting something on a fire. But you know what happened to the whole story that wasn't relevant to say. Right, all that we know about is from Megillus Tainus and, and the Gemaras, right? Oh, you, of course, it's in Shas, in Masechet Shabbos, notably, right? Because I just finished, <laughs> I just finished Shabbos, but but um, that's where it is. But but not mentioned in Mishnah, basically, which is a question. Some someone talked about that. Okay, now who are some? So now we have both of it. So so we have the second base of Mikdash being. So we have the two buttons around the same amount of time, right? Four hundred four, four hundred fourteen, four ten, four twenty, right? But whatever it is. Same amount of time, and then short gap between them. So really, if we put it together, let's do the calculation. We have uh, we have um, four hundred four plus four fourteen plus seventy, right? So it's really eight hundred eighty eight years, which were really dominated by the base of Mikdash. If you think about it, because 818 years of, let's call it 820 for simplicity, right? I had 820 years of Beis HaMikdash with a 70-year break. Right? It's a, and that's a tekuva of Klyosro. You, you can see, I'm not going into the why it was, why this one was short, why this one was long. That, that's for Bali, the Musser to talk about and the to talk about. But I'm just talking about in periods of Klyosro's period of, of life, right? It took us 450 years to build the base of Mikdash, but then we had for 880 years, our life was dominated by base of Mikdash, right? 70 years amongst, you know, it's a fraction. The 70 years we didn't have it in the middle of that period is a fraction that we didn't have it amongst this very long period where we had the bias, and that's where we lived. You can imagine, right? The 10, 20, 30 years, it's, it's like, I, I, I mean, I don't hate it. I think it's a good example, right? I grew up with the Holocaust. I remember when, when Reb Noach Weinberg took Asia Torah rabbis to, to Poland. I was open to go with him, and it was a meaningful trip, of course, but some of my colleagues were, like, blown away. You know, they, one of my best friends, you know, his parents were from Canada. They had come before the war, and you know, it was like, whoa, this is the Holocaust. Like, he's like smart. I think we my grandparents had the numbers, you know, like that. They're friends. I remember their friends. Like, that was what they talked about. You know, I don't know if they spoke about it all, but it was in the background all the time. So I grew up with the Holocaust, definitely. So it wasn't like going to Poland, happy I went, but it wasn't like, you know, this eye opening experience, you know, something totally different, etc. I didn't spend this lottie, by the way, when I. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to Poland, I'm not going to spend a single shekel. I'm not getting any of my money. Yeah. Whatever it's worth. They didn't get any of my money. Anyway, but, but um, right? But I, I grew up with that. My kids didn't. My kids definitely don't. One generation later, it's a different way of living, right? And another generation after. That's why it's important to talk about the Holocaust today, because it's getting more and more forgotten. Thank God we have so much, you know, so much footage and so much, so many good interviews and so much, 
you know, chizuk uh, against all those who, are, who, who lie and say it didn't happen. You know, it's so funny. Well, my grandparents weren't liars. I mean, they make it up. You know, my grand my grandfather wasn't screaming in the middle of the night. No, I mean, that was real. You know, he would hit my grandmother sometimes in the middle of the night. You know, that's what I live with. You know, <laughs> they're not liars. <laughs> Oh, David, remember, remember, it was just a joke. Remember, we should tell you how you would You know? It wasn't a joke. That was what they lived And their friends, it was all like that. Thank God they rebuilt a life, made money. Thank God. But uh, that's where we lived, huh? Larry knows what I'm talking about. That's, this is, this is what we, so, so you can imagine this. So, so imagine, like, 10, 20, 30, 40 years after the Horban, for sure they were living in, in the Horban. They were in Bavel, you know, developing whatever they were doing, but they were definitely living with the Horban. Then already... By the way, the animals, it says, came back after 52 years. Animals left in Corbin Bias. After 52 years, Gematru Behema, they came back. It says 15 different hundred species, because I'll say 700 species of grasshoppers came back. And, and it talks about all the dead. There were underground underground path, passageways from Babylon to Eretz Yisrael, and it says the fish came back, except for one that had a weak spine, so it couldn't, ha- it couldn't handle it. They went to Ain Etam. The highest place in Israel was called Ain Etam. Right, ain't a tom. They went back there. So that was after fifty-two years. So after fifty-two years, already the animals are coming back. And 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 those who know the story know that there was like a certain heter that that Babylon was giving already in the middle of the seventy-year period. It wasn't like it wasn't like just boom seventy years go back. There was just like the Balfour Declaration. You know, there was a pakida. Uh, yeah, again, I'm not talking spiritual. I'm talking about what it says in Tanakh. It's a Dayavish, I forgot which one. Dayavish one gave permission. Let's talk about that. So 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 you imagine. So they they were they were surrounded with base of Everybody agree with me? I'm just saying it's, it's obvious. I mean, it's 400, the Jewish consciousness was 400 years of Beis HaMikdash. For sure, right after it was destroyed, this is what they were talking about. This is what they were living with. This is what they were thinking about. And then, and then let, let's even say after 35 years, they started forgetting about it. Within 52 years already, they're talking about coming back. And the animals are going back, so that was their life. And then people went back. So you have 800, 800 basically 900 years of Jewish existence dominated by the Beis HaMikdash period. Let's call it like that. I think it's interesting to think about it. I suppose saying the first temple, second temple, it was really like one period with a break. And even during that break, they were very busy with that. Yeah? Let's say, let's say Chappelle, let's say there would be no Chappelle's for you because we're rebuilding a new building somewhere else. Okay, but we're, we're always coming back to, you know, okay, 10-year break because we want to build a big campus in, uh, in the Yisrael Valley or something, but but our minds on Chappelle's. Uh, after she was 40 years here, and now it's going to be another 50 years there. Little break. So that, that was their life, okay? Which really gives perspective on how different we are today. Right? Uh, almost 2,000 years later, that really basically there's very little on our heads. I'm talking about me. You know, I just think, just think the average, you know, the Maccabee is going on today. Like, probably today, right now. Thousands of kids are playing sports. You know, I, mean, I was an athlete. I know what it is. I was thinking about, no one's crying over the base of during the Maccabee. If they came in, maybe if they didn't get the bronze, they're crying, you know. I'm not putting down, I'm just saying it shows how far Jewish consciousness is from where it's supposed to be. You know, in the religious world, it was really sad today. It was really uptight about it. It was really, it was really unbent, you know. It's a terrible thing in the yeshiva world that Ben Ismanin comes right after Tisha B'Av, because include, everybody, including me, is thinking about where they're going to be after Tisha B'Av. i got to plan my vacation, you know what I'm saying? I'm going Monday night. You know, <laughs> you know, you have to be disciplined to keep your mind away from it. And a certain amount of planning I have to do. So you got to pack. Can't pack enough time. Going to Moshe's wedding, flying that night. You know, what am I supposed to pack? My wife's going to America a week before. Make some money so we can go. So, so when I said, well, you know, so it's it's a fight to keep our heads in this. But you can imagine how different it was that period. Okay, you got it, guys. I hope I, I hope I've given you the picture. So that's why now we we live really. It was really like. It was Kleiser leaving Mitzrayim, 
a period in between, basically, there's 900 years of that. But now we have a different type of Judaism, and where we have to fight to remember that, keep it in place. Okay, which takes us, friends, and this will finish, to, um, I think this is really how this whole thing started, was with timeline C. Because I saw myself when I learned the Midrashim a little bit, I saw one of the major things I see right now, you can see it's on the sheet, but how long was people assume a Sarbatavis, right, was a Sarbatavis, guys, remember the year. We have Tishrei, then Cheshvan, then Tavis, right, then Kislev, Kislev, sorry, Kislev, right, Tishrei, Cheshvan, Kislev, Tavis, right, then what's after Tavis? Shvat other good. So right in the middle of the winter, Baruch is is Tavis, and Sarbat Tavis is already Hanukkah is already goes into Tavis. Right, Hanukkah straddles the only high which straddles two months, and it's already there. And a week after Hanukkah ends, you have these sad days called Sarbat Tavis. Okay, how long was it from Tavis until Tishmah? It's about six, seven months later, seven, eight months later, right? Yeah, think about it, right? Because after Tavis, I have Tavis, Shvat, Other, Nisan, Er. Sivan, Tammuz, yeah? It's about seven, eight months. But it was three and a half years later. There was three years that passed, okay? So let's talk about that for a second. So we have a Sar Batavis, the siege begins. Now, everybody knows what a siege is, basically. It means that there was, there was, they were surrounded by the enemy. Uh, Yerushalayim was closed off, right? What happens in such a situation? Terrible starvation. Terrible deprivation, right? And machlokas between how to deal with it. Yeah, different during the different tukuvas. Do we do we settle with the enemy? Do we not settle with the enemy, etc. Um, as the Gemara is talking about. But that it says in the midrashim that Hashem gave them time to do tshuva, right? Just like like you'd imagine, you know, you can talk about this from a historical perspective. You can talk about it from a relig- from a ruhani perspective. Let's talk about both. We talk about Hitler's rise, right? There's one person in the whole world who knew what he was up to. Who was it? The greatest person of the 20th century, hands down. Secular person. Winston Churchill. Let's not, don't, you don't want to fight me on this point. In Torah we could fight. This is a point that he was the man. He was the greatest. Roosevelt was a pipsqueak when we compare it to him. De Gaulle was a joker. He was the greatest man of the 20th century. Because he saw what Hitler was and he rallied England, and therefore everybody else, uh, and if if England had fallen, which it was this close to falling, wasn't, so you can play it out, God runs the world, but I'm talking about as much as we can analyze things in a historical way, so he was the man, so in my mind, he gets the cake. Does it mean he was a big Adam Gadol? No, you know, was he uh, the most moral guy in the world? Certainly, yes, certainly, no. Did he drink too much? For sure. What does that have to do with it? But he was a great man, yeah? So anyway, so, so it's just a circle of reality, guys. So Lemaisa, why did I say that? In Hitler's rise, there were points when he could have been stopped. Czechoslovakia, Anschluss. You know, you know, that, you know when one of his plans was euthanasia. Thank God when he's thinking about how the world got better. One of the ways the world gets better. How do you look at a kid, a disabled kid today? You say, we have to help him. You know what I mean? You know how the world used to look at him? Very differently. And, and Hitler killed them. Uh, euthanasia. Why did he stop that? You know why he stopped that? Because there was an outcry from the German people. People said we couldn't have done anything. Well, they stopped euthanasia. This is a historical fact, guys. Check me. I have no. It's 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 there. 
<laughs> read a lot about these things you know, that are easily findable. Anyway, guys, but I didn't come to give you a, a lecture on Hitler. But what I do want to show you is there's there there are, there are spaces, right? He could have been stopped in Czechoslovakia. There was there was a whole giving in, right? There was Czechoslovakia. There was Anschluss. There was the, all these different periods. Yeah. So too spiritually, there are times when it could have been stopped. Right, looking back, right? I don't know what could have done and etc. But we think it was just we, we assume it was like this force that couldn't be stopped. Spiritually, we don't believe that, right? We usually assume that there is there. If Chloe Kleiser together would have done it, some grand shuv or something like that. I'm not blaming anybody. Just talking about that's what we have to believe, right? So, so too what it says in what it says in Midrashim. That's where I got it from. It says that a sarbatev is there, but there was a three and a half year period to fix ourselves up. So God gave us three and a half years, right? It means. Everybody got how it was three years. It means Asarbatevis, and then Asarbatevis, Asarbatevis, Asarbatevis. And now that was when Tishabov happened. So that was three and a half year periods. So look at your sheets. Hashem gave time to do tshuva. They definitely fought back during that time. The Midrashim talk about the you know, wondrous actions that wondrous warriors that the Jewish people had. There was terrible suffering, especially starvation. Right? Terrible, terrible starvation during that time. You can imagine a siege city, not enough water, not enough food. Right? Not pleasant. Okay? That's when a lot of that's going on. Women eating their children, God forbid, all that stuff. I don't want to go into the details, but all that scary stuff. By the way, there are excellent books today, guys. Excellent. That's a lot of a lot of what I learned from this is there are books which put together like a lot of Midrashim in Hebrew. I don't know, I imagine they are in English also, but that really give you like a real picture of Pichazal, of, of, of what happened. You know, we're going into, we're giving the skeleton big picture. You want to go into like the details. You can find it. Okay. Then we get to Yudzai Batamas, which is today, when she was Hufka Eir. That's when the walls were actually broken. So you see, it was quite a siege. It means they held Maya. They held, with God's help, they held out for a long time. Three and a half years is a long time for the siege. Right? And that's when the three weeks start. So that's, already it was worth it coming to here just to know that. If you know now when Atzara Batavis was uh, re- Shivasavatamas, that's what's going on. Okay, that was three and a half years earlier. So there was the actual Chorban Mamish. We had, we had, we had, uh, excuse me. We had, um, we had the, the Gullus of the Sarasashvatam about 50 years before, right? We're putting it, and now we have three and a half years before the actual Chorban, right? Of, of, uh, four through three. And then we have the walls broken down, and now three weeks later is actually Tishabov. I got you nervous. If, well, maybe if there's that big break between Asarbatavis and Shivasarbatamas, maybe there's a big break between Shivasarbatamas and Tishabov. No, those are three weeks. Those are three weeks of, uh, of the day that will live on in infamy. That was three weeks, and then it was done. Okay? The first and temple are destroyed on Tishabov. Okay? Now, guys, 51. When was, when was some Gedalia? Right? Gedalia. Uh, now, Tsongedalia was from the first temple. Okay, Tsongedalia. Gedalia was from the first temple. What had happened, this is very meaningful itself, remember this on Tsongedalia, um, it would be done within five minutes, we know there. On early, Gedalia was left as like a governor. Now he was definitely under Babylonian control. He wasn't a free agent, definitely. But, he was a righteous individual who was like a governor for those that left over, right? Well, just as a marshal, just like after the war, there were a lot of Jews, there were a lot of Jews in, my grandparents lived in Germany for two years after the war. They were making good money and they liked them. 
And the Germans liked them. It's funny. <laughs> like the men. Yeah, so, 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 they made good money. They're doing well. And some, some people just ended up staying, you know. So, so, so too, after the Chorban, there were Jews still left in, most of the Jews obviously went to Babylonia, but there were some left over. And they had a governor called Gedalia. What happened? There was a political killing, yeah, and he got killed. That was only 51 days later, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't many years, it wasn't many years later, 51 days after the Tishabov, right? It was the first year, that's what I need to say. So, putting it all together, Sarbatavis was three and a half years before, before the three weeks, right? And then the three weeks of the time, obviously, which gets most spoken about. But, 51 days after Tishabov, the Corbin bias, Gedalia was killed. Okay? Gedalia was killed, and now the language of the Rambam, I don't know if it's the language of Chazal, is Put out was the call of the Jewish people. Now that's such a meaningful language, I think I heard this once by Ramosh Shapiro. What's a gachelis? Let's analyze, guys. What's a coal? Right? What, what is a coal? What's the lumbus of a coal? It retains heat. It retains heat. Uh, Give me a little more. You can start a fire. You can, start, you can restart the fire from it, right? If you... That's what it is. It's, it's, it's retaining the heat, which means that it has the potential to light things up again. That's how Ramosha learned it up. That's a push-up shot. Guys, like a lot of times, what's push-up shot mean? So you need a great person to point out what's going on, but then you see, oh, that's it, right? You just read the Ramam, Kafsa Gachalos and Sheisro, uh, was snuffed out and cold the Jewish people. What's the point of this cold? Cold means there was potential to rebuild, right? That's what, that was the tragedy, besides the fact that it was a political murder and Jew killed a Jew, if I remember correctly. But um, I'm, I'm missing some of the details of the story right now. But, but, but besides that tragedy itself, the real tragedy was the national tragedy. There was still the chance to, re- to, to get it going. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have a small Hasidah somewhere, but has a dynamic leader, he could get it going again. That's what, the, that's what they did, all of them. You know? Now you look at Klosenberg, it was nothing. You know? Bells, was, Bells was 50 guys, and, and Bells was 50 guys with a 10-year-old in Tel Aviv. That's what it was. Look at it today. You know, yeah, they had great leadership and great people. That's what Bell's was 50, 60, 70, 80 guys, 100 guys. And the Rebbe was a youngster. The Rebbe didn't have any children. The Rebbe today is, I don't know, 70. When after the war, he was a little kid. He was a young, young boy. That picture's of him. I think he hardly knew his uncle. And look what he built. So, so, so there's a Gachelis, you know. So that was, that was what happened in the Okay, guys. Uh, so that was 50 days. So that's what we discussed, Baruch Hashem. So we discussed the biblical antecedents. We discussed and be the long-term picture of things. And let's see, we got the the small picture, and uh, that's what I wanted to share. Any questions? Yes. What's the deal with like the presence of the Shekhinah kind of resting or leaving or coming back or what's, what's going on? I mean, listen, I don't really know. That's out of my pay grade a little bit, but Shekhinah definitely means the way the Gros speaks about it somewhere is, the, the, is as was kind of said on Shabbos, is the level of perception you can have of the Ronashal. That's what it means, right? That's like, so it's like in the cave of language, it's God's infinite. So what does the Chalazim mean? But there's a, there's a way you can more perceive, right? You'd say like, uh, when you see like a certain Sadiqim's faces, they glow, right? So they'll say the Shekhinah is on his face. What does that mean? It means you can see godliness there. You know, there's a, there's a perception. Now, what is he? You're not seeing God. That's a Bodhisattva. That's, that's Eastern religion. It means you don't see God. We don't say you see God. So you have to be careful about these languages, right? 
that you know what it means, but it means that there's a that means that there's something more holy about this person. Another person, you look at him, he just look, he looks different. It doesn't doesn't you know you see him more spiritual. So this is a greater perception. So, so I understand something like that. It means that's why on the one hand it does leave. It doesn't mean when you went into the base of Mikdash, it was very obvious who's in control. There's no doubt what was happening there. That's what I mean. The Shekhinah was there. You, you saw the miracles. You saw the presence. I, I'm, I'm explaining a way which you and I can work with, which I think is accurate and also workable. Obviously, there are deeper levels to these things, which I don't know. Right? So when we say the Shekhinah left, that's what it means. I mean, there's no... You look at the base of Mikdash today, so, you know, Shulam Holchavo. You know, whether you, whether you like Muslims or not, but we don't think it's a true religion, right? We all, I hope we all have some sense that it's, it's a perversion of what's supposed to be there. You know, nothing against them. You know what I mean? But, but come on, <laughs> like the, this is not this is not what, this is not our picture. You know, that we're we're not allowed. To get, we I don't want people going in Harbais for obvious reasons, right? But the, I don't. But not, not that the the walk's going to tell me that I can't go onto my holy place. <laughs> it's my place, not their place. So that's a lack of Shekhinah being there. That means that that's a lack of. And now the koto, it's not zoza from the koto marabi, means the koto is a place where there will always be some wondrousness, always be able to have some more deeper perception, you always can be able to come into, which people do, you know, people break down at the koto, and, you know, what I mean? so that's, that's what it means, it's like levels of, levels of, 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 of pers- levels of being able, levels where things don't, where things work differently, and one can perceive more clearly the godliness in a place, that's how I understand it. And that will that will wax and wane in different places in different ways. You say like a yeshiva, you could say has a shina in it because you, you, if you see people working on spirituality, you see people better. You know, you know, that's 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 not exactly. It's, but it's more than that. I'm saying it's, it's something that's it's a spiritual force which is there, not just because we decide to you know, but there is you know some type of greater level of, of spirituality in that place. You know, when it when it crosses the boundary to be called shina or not, that I don't know. You know, but that's the general picture. Okay, fellas. Okay, great. Okay, everybody, you have, you have a question? That's okay. Um, okay. I, 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 yeah. I was curious about the, as you mentioned, the 12 tribes, that it seemed like so fundamental that, you know, the Jewish people to the 12 yeah. tribes are, I guess in a way, depending on the account of Menashe and Prime, but the... Right. The, uh, but yeah, so fundamental, and then and then to lose that, right. you know, and even that the way the way the Israel is supposed to be apportioned... In exactly, that's what I was trying to build up. That, exactly, you got it. That's... Right. I, 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 that is exactly what I wanted. So you got it. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, when you say, "Oh, twelve tribes," oh, I got it. Korban, ten tribes before ten tribes. What, what did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Yeah, ten tribes were lost. Oh, just yeah. We remember this. No more Bnei Brak. No more Bnei. No, no more. No more. No more Pesach. No more Tinek. No more Tinek. What? What do you mean? No more. You know, that's like what, what, Tinek is a great place. Like, what are you talking about? No more Tinek. You know, that's, that's what it was. It's, 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 we lost. We're losing a lot of... I'll, I'll end with this, you know. I told my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law knows a lot. So so I thought I could share this with him. It says that... Ramchal writes in Das Tunis that every uh, animal represents a different way Hashem runs the world. It says in Shir Shir, God acts like a deer. What does that mean? I don't know. You have to figure out what the best aspect of a deer is. The deer is seen and it's not seen. So sometimes God is seen and not seen. You can imagine, right? So I mean, in some way, Hashem is like a kangaroo, right? Hashem, that's a funny example, but but there's going to be something without thinking too much. You can think of Arye, he was. We're not talking about God Himself. We're not talking about His essence. We're talking about how He relates to the world. God relates to the world the same way an Arye does. 
right? I think everybody could hear that a little bit. It means an RA represents a certain level of majesty, a certain level of, of kingship, of control, etc. It doesn't move that much. So, so everything in the whole Berea, Hashem runs the world in millions of ways. That's what all the different Shemus Hashem also, when you think about all these different extrapolations of God's name, also means different ways God runs the world. That's really what it means. God, the way God expresses himself, not his essence, but how his essence is being expressed in XYZ way. Now, good, that's what the Ramchal says. So I said, once I, I, I thought to myself, you know, that means when an, when an animal is extinct, right, it could be what it also means, not just that, you know, that there aren't any more, you know, um, uh, Utah puppies anymore, but it means that that level of Hanhaga of Yerushalayim is lost. You know, it's just sad. Because it's, that's a physical, that's a physical, uh, that's a physical perception of a spiritual reality. Right? It's sad. And then it gives another level of sadness. It's a shame for any animal to be extinct is a shame. But, so I was saying, when you think about that, so when you think, like, so what were Asar Asar Shvatim? You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they were, they were, they were get, letting Kleistral shine in a certain way, expressing God, godliness. Reuben was doing it his way, and Shimon was doing it his way, and Yisachar was doing it his way, in all different ways, and that was, it was all lost. Okay, Hashem, we should be so to come in contact with these great days and, and get the most out of them. Thank you very much, guys.